everyone, and thank you for joining us for our Dimensions of Wellness podcast series, where we talk about the eight dimensions of wellness and how they can help lead to a balanced and empowered lifestyle. This is your host, Jamini Patel, and I am a nephrology medical science liaison here at Otsuka Pharmaceuticals. In today's episode, we will be delving into the third dimension of wellness, intellectual wellness, and our featured guest for this important conversation is none other than Dr. Fahad Aziz. Dr. Aziz is an associate professor in the Division of Nephrology within the Department of Medicine at the University of Wisconsin-Madison, where he also serves as the program director for the Nephrology Fellowship. As a clinical nephrologist, Dr. Aziz cares for patients living with a wide range of kidney diseases and disorders, including renal transplant recipients. In addition to certification in the practice of internal medicine and nephrology, he holds hypertension specialist certification from the American Society of Hypertension. Dr. Aziz is a member of the American College of Physicians, the American Society of Nephrology, and the American Society of Transplantation, and has presented clinical research at national medical conferences at both the ASN and AST Professional Society scientific meetings. As a medical educator, he has provided classroom instruction topics in nephrology to physician assistant students and nephrology fellows, as well as continuing medical education presentations to clinicians. Dr. Sees, thank you so much for joining us today. We're really excited to have you here and talk about intellectual wellness in our patients. Thank you very much, Gemini, for having me. Thank you. Yeah, so to just set the stage, you know, intellectual wellness is sometimes considered wellness of the mind. It's almost like taking your brain to the gym, if you will. So some examples of intellectual wellness might include actively learning throughout life, also known as constant or continuous learning, really being open to new ideas or involved in creative activities, reading from contemporary writers, really whatever interests you that kind of keeps your mind going. You know, and and when I think of patients, having any kind of medical ailment can really be overwhelming for them. And I've noticed when I practiced as a pharmacist, patients had either no idea what was going on with them, even after an initial diagnosis, and many didn't even know what medications they were taking. It's almost as if they've completely shut down and disconnected from the world and what they used to love. As a transplant nephrologist, how do you engage a patient in the face of a shocking or life-altering diagnosis and journey? And how do you encourage them to really stay connected to what they love to use to do? Uh, thank you for your question, Jiminy. Um, as a nephrologist, you know our job is to provide a comprehensive care and supporting the patient with this shocking and life-alternating uh, diagnosis. So here are the few strategies, you know, which I do and which I I teach, you know. Uh, nephrologists that they should follow to take care of uh, over, over a sick patient, you know. Uh, number one is active listening. Um, I believe that there's, there's a lot of power in active listening. And when I say active listening, it means uh, not only listening, um, but keeping in our mind that we are trying to understand what the problems, you know, the patients have. And number two is showing the compassion. Um, I always differentiate between empathy and compassion. Empathy basically means we go in somebody else's shoes and see how it feels, but compassion is one step ahead where we don't even feel uh, the suffering of the patient, but we take all the actions to take care of them. The third most important thing is the patient education. When I meet these people who are, who are sick and who are undergoing a lot of medical changes, the most important thing is patient education. We need to tell them um, what their medical condition is, uh, what treatment options are available, 
and what are the um, you know downside of each treatment option and what are the advantages of every uh, treatment option. The next step, uh, next step comes to uh, what I call shared decision making. And I always want my patients to be to partner with me uh, in making you know decisions uh, in picking up any specific uh, treatment option for them. And after that, you know, it comes a multidisciplinary approach where I have to involve the other team members, uh, which include the nurses taking care of our patients, their primary care physicians, and all the other you know mid-level practitioners who are involved in the taking care of um, these patients. And then most importantly, you know, it's a regular communication where we have to keep communicating with patients, see what treatment options we opted and how they feel about it. At any point, if they have any question comes up as a nephrologist, it's our job to be available to answer their, their concerns. No, that's a fantastic approach to patient care. I think that multidisciplinary approach, really engaging patients from a variety of different healthcare professionals can kind of keep them in the loop about what's going on um, and kind of help them through their journey. When you are speaking with your patients, you know, definitely every patient's journey is different and some more difficult than others. Um, what do you notice that patients are doing in their personal lives, specifically with regards to intellectual wellness that ensure their success? You know, do you see patients who are successful being more connected to their roots or maintaining their hobbies or finding creative outlets to cope with their illness? Well, absolutely. I think the people who have, uh, you know, fewer complications, they tend to exhibit, you know, certain behaviors. And I think the four most important, uh, important uh, of these behaviors is number one is active involvement. Uh, so the patient with a chronic disease, you know, they need to partner with their doctors, you know, uh, with their nephrologists, you know, uh, and, and actively involved in their care. Um, if they have any concern comes up, they need to, to talk with their, their nephrologist. Um, if they have any concern on any of those treatments, you know, that need to be discussed. And number two important thing is that, you know, when I talk about the shared decision making, you know, that helps the patients to, to adhere to all the treatment plans. Um, and that that's only possible, you know, if there's an effective communication uh, on both ends, you know, from the patient's uh, to the nephrologist and from the nephrologist uh, to the patients. And the most importantly, you know, patients also have to work on their lifestyle uh, modifications, uh, where, where they should be willing to make necessary changes uh, so that, you know, uh, they can cope with these life-changing uh, kind of, you know, diagnosis. And another important step here is always an emotional support. Uh, the patients, you know, when they have these chronic diseases, they have an emotional support available from their family, from their friends, and from their doctors, they do much better um, as compared to the people, you know, who lack an emotional support. No, I think you bring up a good point about having a support system. I think that's a huge part of intellectual wellness as well, because oftentimes it's our caregivers who are doing a lot of the research on our illness and advocating for patients themselves. And I think that helps patients feel like they're not sort of living on an island and they, they've got a community around them that's invested in helping them get better, whatever they're going through. And I think that's absolutely necessary uh, for patients to really succeed in their care. Um, and, you know, I, you know, I've seen this too in my practice, and I'm sure that you have as well, where certain patients 
I feel could maybe be better prepared for a more productive uh, appointment with their nephrologist or whatever physician they're seeing, uh, maybe coming with questions or having an open mind. How can, from your perspective, can patients intellectually best prepare themselves for the most productive appointment with their nephrologist, whether it's a transplant nephrologist or even a general nephrologist? Um, and that's a very good question. Um, you know, preparing for a productive appointment with an nephrologist or any of the doctors, you know, is, is extremely important for the for the patient. And here again, you know, I divide into into certain uh, things. You know, the most important thing here is that the patient needs to educate themselves. Uh, they need to understand, you know, what their what their you know disease process looks like, um, and you know what specialist they're going to see, so that they can address those uh, special issues. Uh, number two, they have to organize their medical records. So they were people with the chronic diseases, you know, especially with the kidney diseases, they have been followed by different specialties. You know, sometimes they have been seen by cardiologists, sometimes by the primary care doctors or any other, other specialties. They need to kind of channelize all those records um, so that when they're coming to the nephrologist, they know what the other doctors, you know, what their thought process uh, look like. And then the most importantly is that, you know, they need to prepare a list of questions uh, for their for the nephrologist, there's no harm in writing those questions, you know, ahead of time, so that during that limited time, you know, they have they interact with the nephrologist, they can ask all those uh, questions. And then again, the next step is taking notes. When they ask those questions, it's perfectly fine to write, you know, uh, whatever the doctors are thinking and whatever advice the doctor is is giving it to them. Uh, these notes will keep reminding them, you know, what discussion they had, and it also kind of give, uh, you know, some hints to their caregiver, um, you know, what was the discussion between them and, 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 their, uh, and their provider. And I think the most important thing also is they have to be honest and open. Um, if they have concern, they need to come up with that. They, 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 there's no way for, for the nephrologist or their doctors to know uh, what they're feeling. And it's perfectly okay to express your feeling, you know, if you're feeling, you know, depressed about this new diagnosis, or if you're feeling, you know, uh, down with all the treatments you're going through or the dialysis is making you anxious uh, or giving you depression, um, then that need to be on the fourth trend where they can discuss those things with the nephrologist. No, you bring up excellent points. I think oftentimes patients feel nervous about asking questions to their physicians because they're afraid of sounding quote unquote you know, stupid or whatever it is, they don't want to seem uneducated in an appointment. And I feel like that's never the case. I think every patient has, should feel empowered to really ask whatever is on their mind to be advocates for themselves in those physician appointments, no matter what kind of physician you're meeting with, um, to really be able to get all the education that they can around their disease and have all of their questions answered. I think you bring up a great point about taking notes. Um, oftentimes in these meetings, it can be information overload for patients, especially if it's, you know, a really tough diagnosis, um, you know, especially if they need a transplant or if it's a conversation about how have a patient might have to go on dialysis. I think uh, taking notes will definitely allow patients to organize their thoughts and kind of help them through the coping process as well. Um, you know, we definitely live in a world now dominated by social media, medical blogs, websites, Instagram, where all of this information is being shared. And sometimes it's not always accurate. 
what, from your perspective, are some quality resources patients can utilize to learn more about their illnesses, whether nephrology or even more general illnesses, so that patients are not being misinformed? Um, um, there are several, you know, good quality, you know, resources available for our patients, uh, which can be utilized, you know, to learn more about their, their chronic uh, illnesses. Um, and, and, and these resources are, you know, to ensure that the patients are not misinformed. Uh, and, and the few most important resources here, we have, you know, National Institute of Health, you know, NIH website. Uh, we have Centers for Disease Con Control and Prevention, CDC website. We have WebMD. Um, and from the nephrology point of view, we have American Kidney Found. Um, these are all great resources for the patient. Also, the up-to-date, which most of the doctors even used to get, you know, latest information, also have patient section on each and every disease, which can be a great resource uh, for, the, for the patient. But it's also always very important to, to ensure that the information obtained from any resource is backed by the scientific evidence and reviewed by the medical uh, experts. Uh, based on all that information, if the patients, you know, come up with any question about their, their, their diagnosis, their disease process, or any treatment, they should be open to discuss those uh, with their doctors before they make any change by themselves. No, that's great. Thank you so much for sharing those websites. I know I've checked out the NIH and CDC websites myself, definitely during uh, the height of COVID, and they are a wealth of quality information uh, that's easily digestible for everybody. So I think it's a great resource for patients to be able to educate themselves on really any disease uh, that they want to. Dr. Aziz, thank you so much for your time today on this podcast. These are wonderful insights. Um, and and I, we really thank you for taking the time to speak on this important topic. Thank you very much, Jamini, for having me. It's always good to talk to you and educate our patients. Thank you. And thank you everyone for tuning in today. We hope you had some fun and learned something new during our third episode of this series. These podcasts are also available on Apple, Google, and Spotify. So be sure to like and subscribe to the Nephew podcast channel on whichever platform you use. And with that, thank you all again. And we look forward to seeing you on the next edition of our Dimensions of Wellness podcast. <music>